right, everybody, welcome back to the Five Hole Taxi Squad uh, Fantasy Hockey Podcast. We are back tonight on November 21st for the Week 7 Weekend Preview. As always, we are presented by our Five Hole Fantasy Hockey team, and I guess we'll just get Jay to start the fairs and let's get into it. Welcome in. We are the Five Hole Taxi Squad. We are your hosts, Craig, Jay, and Alan. We are back again tonight on November 21st for the Weekend Week 7 preview. How are we doing, boys? Welcome back. Great job on Quick Fairs with Matty K. Nobody has punted uh, any of my starts directly in the dick, but I feel truly naked, cold, and afraid on a Tuesday night with no hockey. I didn't really know what to do with myself as I look through my 10 leagues. I don't know about you guys, but uh, it just feels wrong, this weird In the schedule. words of uh, Ricky Bobby, man, I, I don't know what to do with my hands. <laughs> <laughs> it is absolutely wild, honestly. I can't, I can't fathom. I can kind of understand how Thursday has no games. What happened to NHL? Why no Tuesday games? Actually, I, I just before this, I was reading on Reddit, like there is a logistical reason why there are no games tonight. Like apparently there were only three teams that would have been available <laughs> and all of the Canadian teams are flying into stateside today for the Thanksgiving games. Gosh. Well, you also have all the teams from Sweden traveling back as well, right? Right. Like they none of them play before Friday if they're playing at all this week. Uh, and if they are playing this week, they only have two games. The international series kind of messed up the schedule. But it, as Alan said, and I messaged Jay earlier today when we were chatting, preparing for the show tonight, just I could I could feel Jay through the chat group just just having withdrawal symptoms because he he wasn't prepared to not wake up and add like seventeen players from a streaming <laughs> perspective. And I needed to check in on him to make sure he wasn't sick or anything because I didn't see like multiple pings from the leagues that were in. Jay added, you know, <laughs> Curtis Lazar again and a bunch of third line guys that apparently go off for Jay every time he streams them. It is a fantasy desert this week. <laughs> and I am so sorry to other fellow <laughs> streamer, streamer heavy managers suffering on week seven alongside us. Oh my goodness! Thanks, Batman. <laughs> but uh, no, let's uh, let's jump into it here for the the week seven weekend preview. I'm sure we can talk a lot about the ongoings of Monday, but we were talking offline uh, Monday's games. Just a lot of bad goaltending, except for Phoenix Copley and Thatcher Demko uh, yesterday. But a lot of scoring, which was fun. Uh, Alan, I'm sure you had a couple of like minor brain aneurysms watching that Tampa game, but they did come back and win <laughs> oh. in, in in overtime. I'm sure as a Tampa fan, you're just like, can Vasilevsky come back now? Because JoJo just, yes, he's done. Like he can't stop anything. He's not, 
He's not the guy. He's it's not, not just him, man. We're we're still figuring out that defense thing you're supposed to do. I the craziest game for me on Monday night was uh, Rangers versus Stars. Rangers were up three nothing, dude. That was the, not the outcome I expected. Within the first like what I think twelve or thirteen minutes of that game, and then the Stars scored five in the third to to take the lead and win the game six three. Like when I heard when I was watching the highlights this morning, I was like. I had to rewind it. I'm like, did you just say they score five goals in the third period? <laughs> like, when did, like, is this the 1980s? What is going on? And Shesterkin was in net. This, this shows us that goalies are the devil. They don't want anybody to have any fun. Okay? They're the devil. Because little girls are the devil. Also, the five goals in the third period was, was the Dallas Stars? Wait, what? Correct. This is and mm-hmm. and and Jay, I'm gonna blow, blow your mind even more. I'm gonna blow your mind even more because I'm pretty sure Jay Rob did absolutely no, just, nothing. No, he got a freaking sixty minute free skate. <laughs> he he had he had sixteen minutes and eight seconds time on ice, and I'm not even kidding. He did absolutely nothing. He Zero. didn't even shoot the puck. No, and they scored five goals in this in the third period. Jeez. <laughs> and, well, they should have printed him. Another ticket because he got front row seats. Holy smokes! And and for a little a little sprinkle on top of that magical game, it wasn't even Ottinger. It was Wedgwood, <laughs> <laughs> and they somehow came back from three nothing down against Shesterkin and the New York Rangers. Hockey is it's messed up. It's messed up. I, I don't know. I got nothing. And the Kraken came out with a 3 nothing lead and blew it and lost the Flames in overtime. I don't know if the Flames are rising from the ashes, but at least, you know, you're going to talk on Johnny Huberto later in the show, but they're showing some signs of life. I don't really know what that means because they're still kind of bad. They still can't keep the puck out of their net. But let's not, like, I digress. Let's jump in and go around the league, uh, starting with the injury report. I bet my We'll start in uh, with the Rangers. Adam Fox is skating, and apparently he's coming on the road trip, but there's no definite timeline for his return. He can come off the IR on the 29th, which is the second week of a four-game week, so eight games in four in two weeks for the Rangers. Eric Gustafson is still mu- very much uh, a viable streaming candidate. Currently, he's going to get six of those eight, most likely, if not all of them, as the PP1 quarterback, because there isn't hasn't been any signs of definite return for Fox, but he is skating, he's traveling with the team. That means his return is very close. Uh, probably, if he knows what's good for him, he'll stay down. <laughs> but you know, there's also brain dead managers like me who stream Sean Walker instead of Eric Gustafson because they are awake at 4 a.m. with their two-year-old and aren't really paying attention to the names they're clicking. Uh, Nico Heischer, I saw uh, actually an even more updated report. He was practicing with the team and took off his non-contact jersey. He is traveling with them to Detroit. Uh, he's not going to play in that game, but he could be back for the weekend. That's a good news for the New Jersey Devils, as you guys touched on quick fares, Jack Hughes came back like he wasn't even injured and decided that he still wants to chase the Hart Trophy. Oh, yeah, and I saw this today, and I'm glad you guys put it in there. Some big injury news out of 
Pittsburgh. The call-ups remain to be seen because they do have a, some, a couple of interesting prospects that could come in and, and fill these top nine roles. But I think from a the perspective of current fantasy with now Ricky Rax, Ricard Raquel going on long-term IR, I saw he's out for a minimum of six weeks uh, with a upper body injury. And Brian Rust, unfortunately, off to a great start this year, is being evaluated for a lower body injury. And I saw the report saying that he will be out mid to long term uh, was the initial assessment. You know, you can take that for what it is. That could be two weeks. It could be six weeks until they actually determine that. But from a fantasy perspective right now, that makes time on ice and power play one wide open for Riley Smith. I know he does nothing peripherally, but his time on ice is going to go up for sure. And he's going to take Brian Rust's PP one spot if he's out for any extended period of time. So that to me is maybe not an immediate ad for people, but if you are struggling at wing, like he's a dual eligible winger and he's going to get, you know, a bump in time on ice and most likely get that PP one spot, regardless of who they call up. So it's definitely an interesting player to at least throw on your watch list as a result of these two injuries, but not great for the Pittsburgh Penguins in terms of depth scoring uh, moving into December, especially with Rick, Ricky Racks being off to an extremely slow start. Uh, a couple of other interesting notes from around the league. Leo Carlson played two games in a row. That's great. <laughs> That's great. Free Leo Carlson. <laughs> Free the Leo Carlson. That that makes a talking point is wild. <laughs> and it wasn't even in my notes, ladies and gents. Like it, It's in my notes. It's important. It's Free Leo Carlson, but I just want to I would put an asterisk beside this because I'm going to live and die on this storyline. In the two games in a row, he did absolutely nothing. <laughs> so, See, okay, so I was confused on if he was even playing. I'm like, ah, uh, he has zero, so maybe he sat. So he, he, I, I, re- I really, I got nothing. But free Leo Carlson, okay, let the kid play. Let the kid play. I'm going to butcher this kid's name. Oh, actually, maybe not. Uh, so Kevin Korczynski, uh, the young, I believe he's 18, if I'm not mistaken. Right? Wasn't he also drafted this year? Yeah, he was drafted in the same draft class as Connor Bedard. Has now is now seeing power play one with the Blackhawks. He was practicing there on the point in previous Seth Jones spot uh, in practice today. And I saw actually a quote from Seth Jones saying that they need to get more pucks on net and start to move the puck a little bit more on the man advantage. And he was all for the change. So I don't know if it's like, is that Seth Jones admitting he doesn't want to shoot anymore or uh, they he's saying that this kid's a better shooter than him? I'm not entirely sure. But an interesting development on a not great power play, but him and Bedard could be interesting together coming out of the, the same draft class. There was a lot of talk in that nine game window of him potentially staying up because of his strong play. I really hope they're not going to, you know, narrow him into like a power play specialist because he has looked pretty good defensively and he does contribute from a category coverage more so than those guys that do become power play specialists. So it means he does have some acumen uh, at both ends of the ice. So it'd be interesting. Another guy you can put on your watch list. And I think that's it from a storyline standpoint. So I think we can dive right into 
the week seven weekend schedule and some streamer suggestions. So Alan, why don't you take it away for the people? Yeah. So this one, thanks to us Yanks, uh, this schedule is just whacked. All but two teams play on Friday and half the league play Saturday. So it's technically a busy day, but depending on how you look at it, it's glass half empty, half full. Unfortunately, there are no Saturday Sunday back to backs. But the teams that do play Sunday are Anaheim, Carolina, Columbus, Chicago, Detroit, Edmonton, Minnesota, Nashville, St. Louis, and Winnipeg. So a little little under half the league there, um, but still considered a light day. Streamers, some of these are just kind of maybe medium to longer term holds, but Jared Spurgeon, he's back. Power play one quarterback for Minnesota. I know we've discussed before that the defenseman doesn't really drive that power play but hey always a chance for points and he does cover categories cole perfetti mom spaghetti uh center only on winnipeg he was just on an eight game 10 point streak and winnipeg seems to be scoring pretty well lately and then kind of an honorable mention man uh this only works if he sure stays out a little longer uh dawson mercer it looked like he was centering second line in Jersey there, line two, power play two, but I like their matchups uh, on Friday and Saturday if you can get them in. Um, they play Columbus and Buffalo, both at home. Um, goalies, uh, Casey DeSmith, Vancouver, could see San Jose on Saturday. Nedeljkovic, Pittsburgh, it looks like he is back, could see Buffalo on Friday. And Samuel Urson maybe versus the New York Islanders. Um, worth noting, I mean, we we kind of dunked on him at first, but in his last four, he's three and one with a uh, two point zero one goals against average and a nine two one save percent. The torch system saves all these. See, man, and that's why I said Bob bitch Bobrovsky is simply a product <laughs> of torts, um, and that's why he just can't crack it ever since he got that Carey Price money. But big boy bangers. Big, beautiful winger, Sammy Blay, 420 blaze it. Left wing, three to six hits a game in his past like five games. Apple in his previous game, so there's always that kind of point upside with him. Brandon Dillon on Winnipeg, 20% owned defenseman. Uh, hits and blocks with the occasional point. Um, I know he was kind of on like a little point streak earlier in the year. And then another uh, big, beautiful winger, Sneaky, uh, didn't really notice what he was doing lately. Yakov Trenin. Uh, Nashville center left wing, 1% guy. So a deep cut here. Um, does it all. Hits, blocks, shoots. And in his last two games, he has three points. So if you're looking for, for some depth in Nashville, other than, you know, Ryan O'Reilly, he's gone. Forsberg was probably drafted. Uh, just another guy that's that's actually hitting the, making the score sheet. Jay, before you take over from a strategy standpoint, just from uh jared spurgeon note for the listeners out there because i still see him available widely available this is a defenseman who you know you can probably consider a a block specialist it was inevitable that he was going to get power play one once he was back up to full speed but he has also scored double digit goals four times in his last five seasons only playing a full schedule 82 games in one of those over the last six seasons, not including this. So over the last five. So that was, and that was five years ago. So three out of the four times he's been double digit goals from the defensive spot and not played 82. So you can probably lock him in for eight to 12 goals, you know, 
50, 55 points, even though he's missed some time. You know, we're going to talk about Mini in, in a little bit in the show, but, like, this team is not going to sleep forever. They're too good, right? And, like, I think they were a little bit unhealthy to start the season. Your jersey point is an interesting one, and I'd still like to see Mercer go kick, kick when Hughes is back, or, sorry, when he sure is back, get him kicked back out to the wing and actually stick in the top six. Because right now, with uh, Timo time out still with his injury, you've got the likes of Eric Halla and Curtis Lazar skating with Jack Hughes. That's no bueno. Although Eric Halla has been sneakily good to start the season, somebody to keep an eye on because they keep bouncing him in and out of the top six. Somebody, and Jay's last, smiling at me, so I'm assuming he's going to talk about Eric Halla because Curtis Lazar and Halla, from a streaming perspective, are right up Jay's alley. <laughs> just just these random dudes that you probably don't really want to stream, but Jay will stream them. So you know what? Maybe that's, you know, I was picking up with my ESPN. I was picking up Jay telling me to look at uh, Trennan. Like, I, that was a deep cut. I'm like... This could be a J streamer. And I was going to bring this up at the end, but I'm going to bring it up now because I should have done it in the, around the league. Just a, a guy, if he if he's still there, grab him, stick him in the NA, stick him in the R, IR plus. The, the 2023 Patrick Kane watch apparently is reaching its peak, and the front runner is not Tampa. It's the other Florida team, the Panthers. Which guess what, guys? If that happens, we're going to pour one out for my boy Erod because he's going to get directly punted out of that top six. But Jay, take it away from a strategy and standpoint and try to help these people make sense of this ridiculously dumb week. Before I step in with actual... I think Jay's, I think Jay's super excited that I'm back because he's just been laughing this entire time. <laughs> Literally, before I step in with anything useful, I just needed to say when we mentioned Jared Spurgeon that I'm like... I mean, Spurgeon knows. Where is he available? No. Oh, I, that's why he's laughing. He's trying to pick him up, pick him up, pick him up everywhere. Grab, grab, grab. I was literally going to say a dumb pun of Spurgeon knows his surgeon best. And oh, God. It's just, it's exactly it. Like, he, he might be pretty good when he's playing, but honestly, these past few seasons, every time there's something red. Oh, for out DTD for day to day there's something going on with the guy and it's just no matter what happens I'm always falling in love with this potential but his potential is always being dreamed up that's why they call it fantasy hockey it's it's in the name fantasy <laughs> he did play 79 games last year he and he scored 11 goals left some I think something to desire at 30 only 34 points but he wasn't getting primary power play deployment like he's going to get this year, right? He was sharing with Addison, Brodeen, and Dumba were getting rotated in there. He now doesn't have Dumba or Addison there at all. He can push the 45, 50-point mark. It is, and to your point, Jay, 100%, he played 52 games two years ago. Like, that's not good, right? <laughs> like, it, but if he can stay healthy now that he's back, pretty good bottom roster defenseman if you can get double digit goals and around 50 points right absolutely i mean my dumb pun aside it's true he's <laughs> playing 79 games in 22 23s he's obviously on the ice for the whole season pretty much so all right so 
I normally go super deep in every single one of these weeks and like streams and like the ways you can maximize the schedule. The most honest fact about week seven is say it, say it. You hate it. (laughs) (laughs) The fact is, if you wanted to strategize and win week seven, you needed to have done it in week six. You are going to have a full lineup and a full bench on Wednesday and on Friday. You will be forced to make tough decisions. You will be forced to sit some very, very strong wingers, centers especially, and definitely even goalies who are all starting. Any strategy for week seven is going to be set up essentially to maximize those off days. And unfortunately, one of those off days has already passed in week seven. You only have two other off days to choose. I'm going to lean into the glass half full side and view Saturday as an off day. But again, yeah, half the league is playing. So look at your lineup. You probably still have some players that you won't be able to play. But check it out. If you have players that can be dropped and maximized on Sunday, definitely go do so. Teams that play on Saturday, just to rattle out, Rangers... Uh, New York Rangers, there's Colorado, Calgary, Boston, Vancouver, San Jose, Vegas, New Jersey, Montreal, L.A., Buffalo, Philly, uh, the New York Islanders, Toronto, Pittsburgh, and Arizona. So uh, I'm just going to tackle a couple of these teams on Saturday. So uh, point to note as well, uh, Vancouver plays against San Jose on Saturday. Any team that is facing San Jose is definitely worth checking to see if they have any guys available. Uh, Vancouver, I definitely don't think has many skaters. They're kind of a they're kind of a picked clean team, so to speak. Like everybody is taken owned up, given even Kuzmenko, right? Like he's he's gone. So maybe you can look up and see any of those uh, right wing forwards that. Uh, might have supplanted and taken his injured spot. But aside from that, even I think on the power play one, Hronik is stepping up and they're running 2D. So maybe there's no opportunity for PP1 uh, exposure there. But definitely in net. Vancouver is playing a back-to-back against Seattle. And then on the bat tail end, they're going to face San Jose. So KC DeSmith, definitely an opportunity to stream him. I don't know if he is going to get the Montre- uh, the Seattle start or if he's going to get the... San Jose start, but whichever start he gets, he's definitely worth a stream, and definitely in terms of if they're facing San Jose, as we mentioned on Quick Fairs yesterday, if playing a bangers league actually wants teams that are bad, you want teams who are not going to hold on to the puck for much of the game, because then they can go off and bang and get you all those other opportunities, get those all those other uh, peripheral statistics, right? So... Tomas Hurdle, he's like 35% and seemingly dropping, so he's probably available in some of your leagues. Super Mario Ferraro, he blocks everything in the sun and hits everything in the sun because his team does nothing else but run after pucks. Um, pick those guys up, see what happens. Um, I'm going to say something pretty toxic about the Sharks, but I, <laughs> clue me off if I'm wrong. The Sharks are, in theory, only really going to be touching the puck against Vancouver when blocking shots. Or when they're lining up for face-offs again after they've let in another goal from the Canucks, right? So there'll be so, so many opportunities for the, your San Jose Sharks to get all those hits, to get all those blocks throughout the whole game. Um, this is a gold mine, I think, in terms of opportunity for snagging perifs. Um, lock that game in on Saturday. Check to see who's available. Uh, skaters for San Jose. 
um, and to Smith for the streaming goalie spot. Obviously, on Sunday, you have a reversed setup of you're going to make a decision on whether or not you're going to stream Sunday players for, uh, I guess, a last-minute win or, you know, trying to rectify a loss into a win or to either to secure a win or to gain a win. Um, or you can decide to choose to use Sunday's ads as a punt for the week, right? Or maybe you're winning your week so hard that you just want to punt ahead and win week eight. Um, there are a number of teams that are playing on Sunday. Obviously, there's Anaheim, Winnipeg, Edmonton, Columbus. Um, I guess I'm reading it off the same way like Allen almost, right? But I'll just read it off like St. Louis, Carolina, Minnesota, Chicago, Nashville, and Detroit. Of all those teams, I'm going to zero in on another bad team. And the reason that that bad team is going to be zeroed in on Columbus. So, one, they play on the Sunday. So, it's the week seven off night. But not only do they get that, they also have a week eight back-to-back to start the week eight week. And actually, further, Columbus has the best week eight schedule. So, if you can secure in week seven... Any on the tail end on the weekend, Columbus players, hold and secure them for the entirety of week eight as well. Um, Columbus should also be pretty open and owned up. Like Boone Jenner is 50% owned and he's literally a 50-50 if he's available on your league. But everyone below Boone Jenner is available. Boone to the moon. <laughs> Boone to the moon indeed. Um also remember that quote I made about the 24-minute free ice skate? I wasn't making that up. That literally was Johnny Goudreau on his last game, and he did nothing. But again, he he's sucks. Getting, he sucks. He's getting. I don't 20, care what anybody says. He sucks. He's getting 24 minutes of ice time, six and a half minute of power play one time. And he's getting four off nights in week eight. And he's playing in week seven's Sunday. So if there's any day where you want any player to get a free skate, a fucking course don't. But on the off chance, you want off nights and I guess a random hope he's going to do something else. Maybe check to see if any other of, I, I don't know, like... He's still pretty owned up. I think 58% owned in leagues. So there's a little bit, you know, of a higher chance that Goudreau is owned than Boone Jenner. But maybe this is, of all weeks in the fantasy schedule, the week to own up a Johnny Goudreau. Um, Line, I believe, is possibly going to be back. Hopefully he comes back for any of those games. But for those off nights, maybe you do take a flyer and you pick up any of the Line 1, Power Play 1, Columbus Blue Jackets. There are actually so many players on Columbus because, well, they're a team that has 12 points after 19 games. They are obviously not going to be anywhere near the playoffs, anywhere near good. But this team, I mean, you have Sean Corrali. He's getting hits. He's getting blocks. You have Fantilli, right? Like, these guys are players where you... You are not going to win a league rostering these players night in, night out. But you can definitely win your week rostering these guys in week eight. Throw it back to Craig. Yeah, Columbus is bad. I hope they're not this bad the whole season because it's going to be real ugly. I was just looking at their lines from their practice today and they're rolling 
two defensemen on PP1. Uh, I, like, I don't understand that with Kirill Mar- Marchenko there and Adam Fantilli. But, like, right now, Ivan Provorov is now on the point with Zach Rowinski. So, if that holds going into next week, you know, Provorov does do some stuff from a peripheral standpoint, mainly blocks. But in a categories league, if he's got PP1 deployment, you think he's still getting like 23-plus time on ice. That's a sneaky stream for next week if he's got that PP1 spot with, uh, I want to say, the likes of Johnny Goudreau and Patrick Laine and my boy and yours, Boone Jenner. But Boone is the only one that I like. Zacharwinski's let me down this year, you know, probably just not 100% really. He's missed so much time. I think that's a probably a big problem with this team. Matty K hit it, hit on it, you know, a few episodes ago in Quick Fairs. We don't know that the impact that losing that young man, that goalie, uh, had on th- that whole team's kind of ma- mindset and focus and you know ability to compete. Uh, you know, you hope that it's not that, but you never know. Uh, they're not looking real good on the ice right now, so. But why don't we do a little bit of uh, hold or punt into the sun on a couple of players to wrap tonight's show? So, Alan, why don't you take us through your initial thoughts on where everybody was drafting him? You know, maybe you got him late, but after an exceptionally strong year last year, looking like the 1A in Minnesota, give us your thoughts for the listeners. And we did get even a listener question on what to do with Philip. Gustafson of the Minnesota Wild. The Gus Bus. Well, one, I freaking called it in the preseason content. Like, we just don't have a big enough sample size to say that he is who we thought he was. But, but, but the reason I think he is worth a hold and will get better is Flurry's not going to be around forever. Um, they do not want to play him more than half of the games. Uh, he just, he is prone to injury. Too Spurgeon has only just come back within the last week. For a while there, they were like half their defensive core was AHL guys. You know, they didn't get the NHL training camp. Uh, they're just call-ups. So now that Spurgeon's back, that definitely bolsters things. Uh, Goligoski, I don't know when he'll come back, but that'll definitely help on the back end. I I think as that defensive core gets back to 100%, that should improve the play in front of... Uh, Gustafsson and you know even on the the front end like Kaprizov has to get going at some point unless there's something very wrong and he's playing through some kind of injury but yeah if they can get some scoring help that'll absolutely improve the win record for Gus and yeah I mean depending on who's on your wire you probably won't find anyone better or a certified tendy uh than than Gus yeah, I don't disagree. I think this team does bounce back. I think they were dealing with, you know, some key pieces from an injury standpoint with Spurgeon. It's going to take him a little bit of time to get up to speed uh, in terms of game speed. And Matt Boldy, too. Like, one of their top scoring wingers was out for an extended period of time. He just came back. I think you and I have discussed it, Alan, with Jay, too. Like, he's only shooting, like, 6.7% and he's like a 12.5% shooter on his career. I know that's only a season and a half, but their scoring is going to come up and they have an elite scorer in Kaprizov who's kind of off to a slow start. 
And let's be honest, like because of the injuries and because of their inability to score to start the season, they've been blending the crap out of their lines. Like Ryan Hartman's right now on the third line on the right wing. He's not even playing center. They've been moving Marco Rossi up and down the lineup to see if he can click in their top six. It hasn't really worked yet. I think it's probably just a matter of time until they kind of go back to what was working last year with Ryan Hartman, Joel Erickson, Eck down the middle, one, two. And whether you move Rossi to the wing because he's not ready to play center at at the NHL level remains to be seen. But I, I think this is kind of just like that sleepy. And the Western Conference is so messed up right now in terms of like who's valid beyond you know the golden knights and the vancouver canucks like there's an opportunity for them to bounce back in a very weak conference with a couple of their elite scorers kind of really sleepy right now i really think gustison is going to be fine like you said i don't think it's going to end up being a 50 50 split because of mark andre Fleury's age and I think you and I were ta- we were talking before the show, the three of us were talking in the similar circumstances to the LA Kings, right? A young goalie and a seasoned veteran. It's just an, a complete opposite circumstance. The, the seasoned veteran is off to a hot start, so LA is riding him. And I'm not saying that Phoenix Copley is the same level of goaltender as, as Gustafson is, but nobody's off to a hot start in Minnesota at some point. It ba- it's going to balance out because you can't give a quote-unquote 40-year-old goaltender 70% of the starts and think he's going to be good to go come playoff time if you are making a playoff push, which is Minnesota a playoff team? I'm not entirely sure. You would like to think so, having you know a world-class player in Kaprizov on that team. But yes, I would not punt Gustafson into the sun just because of the mess that goalies are this year. You got to have somebody there. And if I had to put money on it, you know, we talked about a couple other really struggling goalies like Vanacek and Akira Schmid in, in New Jersey. They've been awful this year behind a really good team. You know, the Buffalo goalies are a disaster. There, there isn't a lot of solutions in goal right now because you ain't getting Demko and you ain't getting Gorgiev and you ain't getting the guys that are actually playing at least half decent from any of the GMs out there. So you got to hold on a guy like Gustafson and hope that team figures out. And he did come off his last start. He was a 968, if I'm not mistaken. There was signs of life there in terms of his play, not necessarily the team in front of him, because I think they lost that game, even though he played really well. But yeah, let's jump into a couple other names here. And I know it's this is this is near and dear. Oh yeah, Jay. Any thoughts on Gustafson, buddy? I think the only thing against Gustafson is just the fact that the team defense around him is starting to really get called into question. I know they traded away Addison and whatnot, but at the end of the day, there is the worst team in the league. They've let in seventy six goals at San Jose. The next worst teams in terms of goals against are. Columbus Blue Jackets they've let in 70 goals also letting in 70 goals is Minnesota so I think if you asked anybody I don't think anyone would have mentioned Minnesota right off the bat as you know after San Jose after Columbus it's it's mini that's who it is that's the worst uh in terms of goals against 
and yet here we are, and it, it's look it looks really jarring as well. I know obviously they're at the very bottom of the central uh, alongside Chicago, but man, five game losing streak, seventy goals against this team is this team is a sieve. I don't know what is happening in in the state, but if that team is looking to outscore their defensive woes. They have a stark awakening ahead of them, and obviously Kaprizov has really got to wake up alongside Boldy. But the other part is, if that team is trying to be a playoff team, then I guess you could argue and say, if we truly believe Mini is that playoff-bound team, you are banking on Philip Philip Gustafson and, I guess, Marc-Andre Fleury in tandem to be this cresting wave of greatly improved goaltending they're gonna block their way through and also score their way out of this crazy funk that has them second last in the central but on the flip side I think if your league needs you to hold Philip Gustafson your league is probably a very deep league and honestly I hate to break it to you manager but it's got to be said at this point you're probably in some hot hot shit (laughs) If you can't drop him, can't find anybody else in the wild. Alan, I think Jay disagrees with our take. <laughs> <laughs> but I don't know. And I, I think the the addition of, and I forgot to mention this in my piece, like a, he's probably a better defensive defenseman than Addison, but they just, you know, they moved Addison out and got in uh, Zach Bogosian. Yeah. Um, who helped uh, play a more defensive game. Yeah, no, no. I- I'll I'll say this too, right? Like if Mini is getting all their losses, they if they're losing five in a row, then reasonably that offense and with what we know their goaltenders could have played as last season, there's a five game winning streak somewhere. I guess if you want to think of it like in the opposite direction, right? So definitely maybe Minnesota's got some of their losses out early, and this team's going to be on the upswing. And I guess if you want to hold on to Philip. You're banking on that upswing, but the other part is, geez, this team is literally the third worst defensive team in terms of goals against in the league. Is there no other goalie on your wire that you could hold to even stream or possibly bank out while not having to wait out this shit show, literally? I was about to say, if if, if I'm in that league, I'd be willing to, to buy low on Gustafson. Yeah, 100%. They're absolutely a team I think turns it around we, defensively. We got to get Jay into some keeper leagues and just see him itch <laughs> because like he holds no loyalty to no player. And if he was in like keep three or keep four, even keep five, like there's I'm in a couple leagues that keep seven. Like Jay would just be like, ah, I, I hate, I can't, I can't hold on to him. It, it's I'm allergic. He's We're so, cut and bait. We're so, cut and bait. <laughs> it Look, burns us. The the one the one thing I'll say is yes, season over season, goalies can fall off a cliff and go from great to shit. But teams don't generally do that. Although we might be seeing that Edmonton Oilers (laughs) currently. (laughs) But I would like to think that they will bounce back in some fashion. But they And the weird part is, is there's some weird shit going on in the league right now with not only them, looking really weird defensively, really bad defensively. Like we're mentioning many, we're mentioning Columbus. Not that I think Columbus is really going to go on a 
crazy upswing, but like they've lost nine games in a row. Like that's mental. Like New Jersey's not playing great. Ottawa's not playing great. Detroit's not playing great. Like there's a lot of weird stuff going on. And Buffalo's still like struggling to let alone score, but keep it out of their own net. I was going to say, Exhibit B, guys, Devin Levi was not this Vesna-caliber goalie that was going to come in and save them. Well, if you guys want to do a cab confessional, <laughs> there might be a couple of my hot takes that we might have to discuss as the season goes on. Uh, but my main point is, yes, goalies can call, fall off a cliff year over year, and you and you can't anticipate that. And and goalies can rise from the ashes year after year in terms of look at Demko, look what he's doing right now, or kind of come out of nowhere and steal the net from um, a from a team that doesn't have a verified number one. But those teams that I just listed off, I find it very hard to re- to believe that all of them are going to remain troubled or in the dumpster fire or this bad come a month from now. I will say one point, though, and I think it does swing toward the keep uh, Philip camp. I looked at their cap friendlies. So both Gus and Marc-Andre Fleury, they're on the same 3.75 contract. They're both pretty reasonably affordable, but more importantly, Mark is, again, both a veteran and he's on the expiring contract this year. I know it's a no movement, but do we truly think Mark is content to just sit around in his final swan song seasons and, you know, die on the mini team that isn't competing at all? I don't I don't know if Minnesota is the franchise to do that to a player, and I don't know if Mark himself is one of those players that wants that. I think, if anything, he, you know, he's a competitor. He wants to compete. And the question is, rolling in at the very end near trade deadline time, do we really think there's going to be no contenders with injury bugs or anything where they just want to, you know, shore off and get, you know, a grizzled veteran that has proven he can carry the crease, especially into the playoffs? I think there's going to be another team. And if Minnie is still, quote unquote, dying away here, Gus is going to get that crease to himself. There's going to be nobody else if... Marc-Andre Fleury gets traded, and at that point, rolling into your fantasy playoffs, I guess you have this one guy who is going to take over, and that'd be incredible. I'm going to give you devil's advocate on that, though. If they were to trade Marc-Andre Fleury, or this dumpster fire continues, and the organization believes that they should be a playoff contender, they have one of the best goaltending prospects on earth in their system in Jesper Wallstead. That's why I've seen his name float around. And they brought him on the Sweden trip because I believe he's Swedish. So he probably just, they just probably wanted him to be a part of it. He didn't play. But if the organization believes them to be a playoff team and these two guys can't figure it out or they move off of Marc Andre Fleury because Marc Andre Fleury wants to go to contender, they could give this young kid a, a shot. And could you get lightning in a bottle with him? Very much so, because we just talked about how volatile the position can be, and and he's an extremely high-valued goaltending prospect. All right, let's move off the Gus bus, and let's talk about Jay's boy, Jonathan Huberto. Take it away, Jay. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's just two guys, right? I'll, I'll, I'll mention not just Huberto, but there's also the Columbus. You can insert any blue jacket of choice here. Uh, I wrote down Johnny Gaudreau. I could easily have written down Patrick Laine. Um, I'd even say in a, let's say, 12-team league, uh, Adam Fantilli with his center-only spot, right? Like, these guys are guys where I think with Huberto, I think with Goudreau, or Gaudreau, you have guys that you know they've done incredible things. Um, but yeah, that's not this season. It doesn't seem like it. Maybe Huberto, the past few games, like you've <laughs> you've you've been starry-eyed manager, so to speak, into seeing, wow, is this the Huberto of old? And quite possibly maybe. But if you grab him now and he he goes he goes to shit for the next three games, what are you gonna do? I Personally, I'm completely content with dropping him. Um, but what if he comes back and this is, you know, like the full-on Huberto? Um, I don't know. Like, I, I don't even know a quote quotey, quotable thing that could be linked with Huberto. But yeah, like the Hu- Huber, Huber don't know. I was going to say Huber donut, but that's almost like going against him, if anything. But yeah, it's, what Huber, if- it's Huber poo. That's what it is. It's, it's just a giant Huber poo. Like this guy, he needs time on ice for a true bounce back to happen. He's still only getting like 16 minutes, yeah. to, like time on ice. It's not good. Like, I don't know why you're paying somebody 10 and a half million. You hit on it, Jay, quick fares, 10 and a half million dollars. And he's not getting top three deployment. What is happening? <laughs> Although at the same time, maybe the ten and a half million ensures that at some point I'll get that chance, hopefully. If not today, maybe, possibly. So definitely a hold or punt into the sun. Personally speaking, Craig and Alan know this too. I, I may have, you know, dropped some shares now into the Jonathan Huberto sweepstakes and hopefully some of that comes true. But nope, I'm also going to say that if if he doesn't immediately produce, he's back onto the wire and he can hang out there by himself. I will say, though, I am above all else, uh, not a lover, but a mercenary for waiver wire scheduling. And with week eight, I think Johnny Gaudreau and any of those Columbus Blue Jackets should definitely be immediately rostered for the immediate short term and then for whatever long term. It doesn't really matter, but immediately for week eight short term roster every Columbus Blue Jacket available on the wire. So, Alan, how do we convince Jay to stream out all his ads this week in the leagues we're in with him so that he doesn't just snipe everybody on Sunday <laughs> afternoon for week eight? Uh, sit in condescending silence. <laughs> I think he'll he'll play himself. Look, and then I'm just going to go quickly into a segment that I want to bring to quick fairs, but I'll bring it tonight. And it's just going to be a quick hitter because I think it's that time to have this, that discussion. And we've kind of dabbled in the sell high, buy low. And I want to take us deep into our childhood basements, into our mom's deep freezer. And I want to look at some buy low candidates for the people. And the strategy here is to really look at the last 14 to 30 days in terms of where guys are at compared to the first month of the season. Especially over the last two weeks, you've probably seen some of the hot teams in your fantasy leagues kind of regress back to the mean. And this is the point where fantasy GMs are starting to get frustrated by certain players. Now, 
We're not going to go deep, deep down into the into mom's freezer because there's no freezer burn on these guys yet. But I just want to list off as, before we sign off tonight just some buy low candidates that I think you can get a pretty good opportunity at getting currently based on how cold they've been. And I'm not going to say Johnny Goudreau and I'm not going to say Patrick Laine because they have freezer burn on them. They are stuck to the side of mom's freezer right now with that like thick layer of like ice around them and they can stay there for as far as I'm concerned. But there are some guys that I need to identify that I I'm actually trying to buy if I don't already have them. And the first two, they're like at the top. They're like on that like shelf unit in mom's freezer, Dylan Larkin and Alex Debrinkat. They have gone very cold over the last three weeks to bring that shown bits and pieces in terms of scoring goal here or there. But I think they're very much two guys you can go target. To bring that has shots on goal upside. He has hits upside for a winger. And I still think he's going to hit, you know, around that 30 to 40 goal mark playing with Larkin. I don't see how Larkin doesn't finish as a point per game player. And quite frankly, there has to be some happy medium between the wings we saw in the first month of the season and the wings that we've been seeing over the past three weeks. Another one, there's a lot of hype around him playing with Kevin Fiala, going to the Kings. We all know what happens when new players go to new places. They need some time to get uh, accumulated. They need some time to fit into the system. PLD, very, very cold to start the year. Still centering line one, still getting some power play opportunity. He's been shifting between power play one and power play two. I think he should still be a 70 to 75 point player with some good peripheral upside in terms of shots on goals and hits. And if you're in a face-off league, he's good for that as well. He's not somebody I would be aggressively targeting. It would be depending on your league settings, but I think you could get him dirt cheap right now. If you are looking for help from a center left wing dual eligibility, and this is also something that I would caveat in terms of buy low is you're looking for positional flexibility. So to bring at being dual eligible PLD being dual eligible. I know Larkin is a center, but I think being an upside center, especially like with the likes of Barkov being injured again, <coughs> for those managers looking for a Barkov replacement, I would be targeting Larkin for sure. Still on the buy low candidacy, even though you guys mentioned it on quick fares in terms of his ability to possess the puck and control play, Timo Meyer, go get him now before the team gets healthy. Once this team is fully healthy again, I, I don't see how he doesn't at least get to, you know, 30 goals, 75 points, right? Minimum. Is he getting PP1 though? You think? No, he's not. I still believe in his elite under the, the hood numbers and how he can drive play on his own from the wing st- standpoint. And I don't think his shots on goal stay this dormant moving forward and he still has that hit upside as a as a winger and I st- honestly I think there's probably a lot of frustrated managers you could probably get him pretty pretty cheap right now it's really hard to value Timo I don't I don't know what it is cuz I'm so used to the San Jose Timo but I can't help but think the San Jose Timo is no longer New Jersey Timo but if anything stayed with San Jose and is basically just hurdle except hurdle is way worse in a non-positionally scarce setup. Now I'm just really missing San Jose team, but why'd you have to go? 
Don't win a Stanley Cup. Just win fantasy hockey leagues. I don't know how to value him. I'm just saying go into mom's freezer and see if you can buy them for cheap because they're kind of ice cold right now. And then I'm going to just end it off in terms of the deep freeze conversation with Josh Norris and Claude Giroux. I'm not going to put Timmy Stutes in there. He's been a little bit slow off for the last couple of weeks, but he has also been amazing. So you're not going to get him. So he's certainly not a buy buy low candidate, but Claude Giroux and Josh Norris have been very cold over the last two weeks, still playing with Brady Kachuk, still playing with Tim Stutzla. That team is has slowed down a little bit offensively. I think they're going to be just fine and pick it back up again. Shabbat's been skating. He'll be back at some point in the next two to three weeks from what I've read recently. This team's going to be at full strength again. And Claude Giroux always seems to find a way to get back to close to point per game. And he's dual eligible again, center, right wing. Josh Norris, I know center only. But again, we were talking earlier in the show, guys that are coming back off of serious injury take time to get up to speed. And then even another guy from Ottawa, who I've even seen dropped. So he's like maybe he's trying to latch on to Goudreau and Line kind of stuck on the sides of the freezer down there. Drake Batherson. He's not in their top six right now. He's been floating between the top nine and the top six. But he has proven that he can be a very consistent secondary scorer on this team, even when they were bad. He's still hitting. He's still shooting. I think there is definitely positive regression for those three players on that team coming over the next two to three weeks. There's a couple of more players that we can talk about, but we can save those because getting cold. Mom's freezer's been open for a little bit now. The stuff at the top thawing out. You know, I don't want to talk about Boone Jenner and Columbus. They're <laughs> all really, really cold and stuck down there. The only person you should be really holding at this point for them is Boone Jenner. I think we will leave it there. We will say thank you as always for listening. That is your week seven weekend preview from myself, Jay and Alan. Uh, we will park the van cab. The five hole taxi squad will be back later this week with the week eight preview. Uh, as always, give us a like and subscribe and give us five stars wherever you get your fine podcasts. Join us in the Five Hole Fantasy Hockey Discord. If you are not there already, it's 2,500 plus strong, like-minded fantasy hockey individuals talking all things fantasy hockey uh, and life in general. You will be able to find all the Taxi Squad members there in the Taxi Squad hotline channel, as well as the mailbag channel and the episode discussion channel if you're looking to run any fantasy hockey questions by us or trade ideas or anything like that it's been great to interact with our listeners out there from my perspective and i encourage you all to interact with us as much as possible uh, please follow us all on twitter if you do not already you can find those handles in the show notes we will see you all uh, in a couple of days i guess or not see you you will hear us in a couple of days and we'll say good night for now it's all love can we healthy scratch Yarmo Kekalainen? <laughs> we'll pick you up later. Why is there no hockey tonight? 